Support the team at Waggle Golf. Local Minnesota brand and oh-so-comfortable clothing. Best hats, shirts, hoodies, and more. Endorsed by Bucigrass, Carlo Koliakovo, and most importantly, the Soda Pod. Check them out at GetYourWaggleOn.com for the best damn golf apparel in the United States. GetYourWaggleOn.com today. Now back to the show. When I, it's like me, I, From the Wildwoods of Vancouver Island, welcome to the Soda Pod. You should join me here alongside the state of Hoppy. Yes, it's just two of us. Thank you for joining us wherever and whenever you are listening. Uh, what's up, man? Today's going to be a battle. Today oh, yes, is we're, not we're, fun. We are recording this, by the way, everybody, on uh, Sunday. And by the way, like, what a weekend. Game 7 NHL hockey weekend. Five of them. How crazy is that? I, I'm sure it's happened. You know, and, and maybe I was just so much more invested in the series, you know, before being so slammed with work, you know, in this year in particular that I just didn't even really put thought into it. But because, you know, doing live streams, doing soda pod podcasts and just trying to stay in touch and make sure I don't miss anything. It just feels like it's more unique this year. I mean, is it more unique or, or am I just am I just on an island here? No, it's definitely more unique. And for me, too, it, this is a year where like you look at all of our predictions that we posted up with us and some of our friends for the first round. A lot of people were looking at like quicker series for some of these. And aside from the avalanche, like it just didn't happen. I know. How crazy is it that we all, everybody, even the media alike thought that St. Louis, Minnesota was going to go seven games yet. Kings Oilers went seven penguins. Rangers is going seven again, recording this. I think, I think most people had that going seven though. Well, um, just, the one, just, the one that was crazy to me, um, uh, you, I think, were the only one that got uh, Florida-Washington correct. Like, everyone <laughs> thought four or five games for that one, and shit, dude, it, there was a point where I thought Washington was going to win the series. Dude, me too. Uh, Carolina and Boston, too. Now, I, I thought I didn't think it was going to be, like, a sweep, but I followed that series, and the Boston Bruins put up a hell of a fight against the Hurricanes, who had their number all season. Dude, I think that was the most confusing series out of all of them, though. Like, everyone came in thinking it would be a seven-game series, by and large, right? Like, people yeah. thought it would be closer than the seating would dictate. And then you get into the series, and, like, for one that ended up going seven games, it could not have been more sporadic. Like, literally, home team won every game, and How crazy home team that, fucking yeah. dominated every game. I've never seen anything like it. There's ebbs and flows. Like, usually, there's, like, close games thrown in there. That the only game that was arguably close was probably game seven. And that's just like, I, that's a first for me. I've never seen such a, a home ice domination in a series. No, great point there. And that's what everyone, I did a watch long for the THPN YouTube channel. And that's what the chat was saying too, that like, oh, this one's in the bank for the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, the crowd there, you know, I was listening in to the broadcast. The crowd was so loud, which again, love to see it. And I know that this kind of new age crowd of Carolina Hurricanes fans, I mean, they're loud, they're passionate. They love that this team's winning. So I think like kind of all our, you know, preconceived thoughts of, you know, Carolina not being a good market and they're where their fans, whatever that's, that was during the dark ages of Carolina. Now, like they have some exciting fans. It seemed like that place was buzzing and Hey, I obviously, I can't root for the Boston Bruins. Sorry, Z, you know, Vancouver Canucks fan here. It is what it is. But I'm more so, 
happy that Rod Brindamore, coach of the Carolina, Carolina Hurricanes, is is having success. Being a Vancouver Island boy, you know, being from the same town that I was born in, Campbell River, British Columbia, where they have a rink for their junior B team, shout out the Campbell River Storm, named the Rod Brindamore Arena. So shout out the Brindy, shout out Rod Brindamore, and shout out the Carolina Hurricanes going to the second round. And they're, they're, they're going to face uh, either your Penguins or the New York Rangers. Yeah, and I, I got to say, though, Isha, maybe I've mentioned it before, but I don't know if we've really gotten into it. Minnesota fans in general, like, really are a big one-of-us community. Like, <laughs> love to talk about and herald all the guys that came from Minnesota and are playing in the show, playing college hockey, whatever. You jerk off regularly to anyone that came from the island, and it's incredible. Oh, yeah. I love you the got passion. You. you got it. It's a small island. You know, but the hockey community is big, so I just want to highlight it all the time. When, but, you got, hey, when you guys got people like Jordy Ben, like you got to get excited. <laughs> Len, shout out Len Lundy, by the way. Um, what a name! All name team, seventies Canucks player from uh, Nanaimo. But anyways, you you just said that about the Wild player though. But I'll challenge you on that. I'll challenge you on that. And it's a good segue into getting to our Wild talk today. You think Wild fans are supporting Nick Letty? <laughs> I mean supporting isn't the right word because he was against them getting behind i think they're all acknowledging that he's a fucking player what a series and what a game uh six i almost said seven because all these other games are going seven but the wild in fact did not go seven they went six my prediction came true i don't don't really know how to feel about that at this point but nick letty had a hell of a game six my god i would argue that he had an incredible game one five and six there you go oh weird all games that the blues won (laughs) i don't know don't get me wrong i'm not trying to herald him as this like game-changing defenseman but i don't think people gave him enough credit coming in i think everyone saw that as like uh who cares like nothing move for the blues at the deadline that was a turns out that was a big fucking move big move indeed and okay let's get right into it hoppy uh let's get into the series recap and let's talk about why the wild lost now we already just covered one point Nick Letty. I think we can all agree. You know, Josh, if you're listening, Nick Letty gets his own category. His own bullet point is one of the reasons why the Wild lost this series. Um, let's hammer through some of the other reasons, man. What, well, what... And, and let, let's let's start at the top, though, Isha. Like, what do you think is the biggest reason? If you had to pick a reason that the oh. Wild lost, why did they lose? The power play. The power play. That's fair. Zero for six game one. When they actually scored on their power play, they won the fucking games. I think they went zero for four in, or even zero for five in both the other games that they lost, uh, you know, after their, you know, little, little win streak there that got the, got the fans in the wild all excited. But no, seriously, man, like it was an absolute hey, man, disgrace. On, on that though, like they had me fooled. I absolutely, I didn't think that they were going to like run the table then and win in five, but I thought after that game three, with the players still out of the lineup that were game four is the game that lost them the series. Like that's, that's not a, the main reason the wild lost, but you look at that game and that is the game that determined the series. No question. Again, power play in the game where their power play was actually buzzing and they were able to score a little bit more depth wise, man, they won the game when that dried up. And when the power play didn't make up for it at all, they lost. It's as simple as that because there were very, there are very few spots in all the games where I was like, man, the Wild are playing atrocious. There was nothing to do with that. It was like, okay, guys, you just have to score. You have to score. 
And the Blues, well, again, and six are pretty atrocious. Credit where credit's due to the Blues, man. Their power play, opposite, elite. And the way that they move the puck, I have to say, I haven't seen a team move the puck that quickly before. A lot of a lot of teams set up their offense or even just their, their breakouts with, yeah, flashy plays and, and smooth, maybe long passes. But theirs, whether they're close range or like cross ice, bang, bang. And that really, really surprised me, especially on the Blues power play where they were able to execute so quickly. And hey, it surprised me. It surprised, Dean, surprised Dino and the, and the Wilds penalty kill on their defensemen, respectively. Yeah, and you just hit my point. I think the number one reason, which, I mean, power play kind of gets tied in. Fair enough. Like, this is more of a blanket statement, but coaching battle. We got 100% outcoached. Um, And it it, kind of begs the question here, Isha, because I I really don't know the answer. I assume, and I'm really curious what the real answer is, but who makes roster decisions for this team? It's a good question, man. It's a good question because if everyone's saying in Billy G we trust, well, if he's the one making roster decisions right now, he didn't do a good job. Let's be honest. If it's just Dino and, you know, Billy Garen's like, all right, this is your team, your playoffs. They're going to answer to you. Let's see what you got. Well, he didn't do a good job. If it's a mix of both, well, clearly, you know, <laughs> clearly one's oil and one's water because nothing mixed there. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Some big adjustments both on the ice too, because the wild are going to have to fill in some roster spots with cheaper players with the big suitor and Prize, you know, buyout uh, against the cap looming. But I'm, um, I'm still, I'm, I'm a little tired of people like throwing it out. Like the buyouts are the reason we're in this cap. hell. we still have less money on the books than if suitor and Parisi were here. And again, you and I both thought that suitor like was still a top four defenseman in this lineup, which he is. We're seeing it now. Guys like uh, Jason Arnett are coming out saying that he was yeah, an what absolute an problem, dude. Like, Go, Garen just, nailed this. Garen nailed those buyouts. I will defend him until the end of time for those buyouts with everything that we're learning now. Like, clearly he already knew, but I like people that say, like, I don't know, Garen put him in a tough spot with the buyouts. No, that is the only reason that the Wild had the regular season that they had. And we're going to see that continue moving forward. I don't know that the team is necessarily going to repeat this year's success, but the way that the locker room has changed is absolutely critical for trying to build up and really extend this out, not only through the buyout years, but beyond them. And I, I commend him for making what was a really tough move. And he kudos to him too, for not being vocal about it. Like he could have absolutely buried them and said, these guys are a fucking problem. We need to get them out. He handled it graciously, just said, hey, team's got to go in another direction. Wish them the best, right? Like, Billy Garen could have skewered them. Yeah, yeah. And again, I agree with everything you say there. It just, at the end of the day, it still yeah. is a hurdle. Any way you oh, look at sure. it. Any way you look at it. And it sucks uh, that we Su- had hurdle. <laughs> and it sucks that Suter just is the personality that he is because buying out one of them in Parise and keeping someone like Suter, probably, again, the player, not the person, would have, would have put the wild into a better uh, situation. And I was critical of that again in the last year, but again, knowing what we know now, um, this is the way it's going to be glad that this is the new culture, but it is going to be tough navigating the cap moving forward. One thing I want to give credit to that podcast. What was the podcast again? It has Shane O'Brien and who's the other Uh, guy? Cam and Strick. It's not Shane O'Brien. That wasn't Obi. Oh, it was on. Okay. Well, I thought it was Cam and Strick. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought, oh, anyways, um, 
O'Brien has a podcast too, by the way. Missing Curfew. That one's awesome yep. too. So shout out to them. But okay, this one was on Cam and Strick. Funny podcast as well. If you dig, if you dig Cam Jansen's vibe, I mean, he's just always buzzing. It's like he like downs three Red Bulls and just jumps on the mic. If you dig, that, if you dig that, um, it is a really good podcast. But please go check out the the Arna interview because it was it was really eye opening. Whether I mean, if anyone had any doubts on like ah no, they're just everyone's you know blowing it out of proportion, whatever. No, no, this this seals it. The guy was not a good teammate. I mean, man, the way he complained about Shea Weber's ice time. Like, come on. He didn't complain about Shea Weber's ice time. He complained about his own lack of ice time. Right, right. <laughs> but, I mean, at, that's all just uh, – let, let's pivot back to the, yes, the yes. genesis of this. Coaching lost us this series, but half of it is, I think, on Billy Guerin. I think he is the one who made the decision to play Flurry, the quote-unquote easy decision to play Flurry for game one. I think he's the one that's choosing who's in and out of the lineup. Now, do I think that Dean Evason is a good coach? There's layers to that, right? And I'm not trying to rag on the guy by any means. Like I do all in all like Dean Evason, but I said it back when he was a, a finalist for the fucking, uh, uh Oh, uh, Adams award. Like he is a great people person like he has a pulse on the locker room he knows the guys he kind of lets them take control which could be a good or a bad thing but he's he's got the right vibe for the team like he has them playing at their best i don't think he knows shit for x's nose i don't let's well then again billy garen if you're listening bring in an x's and o's guy and keep you know dino as well, yeah, yeah. Bring in, you know, an assistant, you know, whatever, someone right. who's in more of an exes. Why not? And have that, you know, synergy <laughs> behind the bench. Because I hate when people think that the head coach has to be everything. Like, you know, wh why not treat the NHL a little bit more like like a football team and have, Gross. you know, different, you know, different pieces who really, really focus on different parts Dude. of the lineup, of the execution. I don't know. I've seen other teams do it before. Like, no, it, I'm it sorry. can absolutely be done. You I've think, seen you, it done. You think Rob Brindamore is an X's and O's guy and a hype guy and this and this and that? No, there's layers to his, you know, levels, capacity as still a new coach in the National Hockey League. You don't think his bench, though not paid as high as they probably should be, shout out Carolina's ownership. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that that's what I'm saying. Like, and, and Dino brings uh -huh. a similar type of vibe, I think. You know, his muscles aren't as big. I get it. But, you know, he was a former player as well. Uh, did his time in the AHL. I, I don't know. I, that That's what I feel the wild should do moving forward is look at some of those other pieces that round out the equation. Well, and what's tough here, man. Cause I, I totally agree. Uh, the perfect name that comes to mind, which will never happen. Cause I don't think he's coming back unless he's a head coach. Rick Tockett is the perfect person for that role. Hey, he did it in Pittsburgh. It was perfect. Not only was he a good, like people person, right? Like he is the reason that Phil Kessel didn't go completely off the rails during those back-to-back -back cups, right? Yeah. He's also the guy that made their power play. He was responsible for the power play. Then they had with him Jacques Martin, who totally had the lockdown on the blue line and the penalty kill. And like the whole cohesion there with them under Mike Sullivan, who I, I'll still fight anyone who says that with the exception of maybe Barry Trotz, he is the best coach in the NHL, period. Yeah, and I mean, look on speaking of Barry Trotz, and that's a whole topic for another day. I mean, he's available, but if you're looking at someone for more of an X's and O's, because I mean, hey, 
There's a former Vancouver Canucks coach, Travis Green's out there. Now, he was less of a raw, raw people guy and more. I think of he the gets ex- a head coach job. I do. Sure, but I'm saying he's, I, I, I truly believe he's more X's and O's. Yep. And if maybe him and Dino teamed up, he's got a little bit of a pulse in the locker room, but maybe Dino was more of that voice and he was, you know, I'm just saying that's just yep. a name that comes to mind because, you know, fresh with the Vancouver Canucks situation there as well. But again, well, talking we- about, you know, those type of things for, for coaching, I, I think if they're not just going to flat out replace Dino, if he was the main issue. Hey, how here, do you replace Dino? They just extended him. In season, which was ridiculous. And you know what makes it tougher, man? Because I I do think that, like you said, there's a place for Dino, right? He can be part of the coaching staff. I think everyone else has to go. Problem is, Dino's argument was, you extend me, you got to extend everybody. So how do you take Dean and look at him and say, everyone you just fought for is gone, but we'll keep you. Like, how does that make for a good locker room? How? Well, I'm sorry, you lost in the playoffs in the fashion you did. You know, what have you done? This is the what have you done for me lately business. That just seems uh, like, I'm not saying it can't be done. And if there's anyone that will, it's Bill Guerin. It just seems absolutely outrageous to do that a couple months removed from extending everybody. And again, I don't think any drastic changes are going to be happening right now. But if, say, there's a regression in the season or more stubbornness comes out. Whereas like, say just the power, say there's similar pieces, but the power play, you know, maybe Fiala is there or not there, whatever, but say like the power play still doesn't take any steps forward. Okay. Well, now we got to reassess. Now, how much of the power play do you think is personnel versus X's nose? Oh man. I think it's more X's and O's. I think they had enough personnel to get it done. And I've seen other NHL teams with shittier personnel have a better power play. I could see it being more like a 60-40. Again, um, leaning towards X's nose, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's things that need to change with personnel. The only two players that I think are locks for the power play are Kaprizov and Akat Netfront. Yeah, I was just going to say Akat Netfront, yep. No, yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I do not think that Jared Spurgeon is a first power play unit quarterback. I don't, I'm sorry. And I really don't think... The weirdest thing to say, just because of how it needs to be laid out schematically for the team, you need some kind of right-handed threat to throw out on the first unit. Like any top-tier power play that you've seen, you've got the power play quarterback, you've got Kaprizov off to the right, and you're going to have a right-handed shot off to the left. And that gives you so much more rain to move and work among those three. Eck wreaking havoc in front of the net. And then you've got the third guy, which depending on who that player is and how they fit, you can do what you need to with them. But that's literally been the bread and butter of the Pittsburgh Penguins for the last 16 years is that exact process. Yo, yeah, a- absolutely. So, I mean, no, I, I agree. It is a little bit of both. Well, it's, it, it is both depending on how you want to weigh it. You can make an argument for either, either in my opinion. Yeah. But I will say one thing. I will say one thing. They do need one player back there. And he's one of my reasons for how the Wild could have won well, let, let's we got we got one more thing here then on why okay. they lost, I think, that we really need to get into. All right. Coaching, right? We're we're gonna still kind of go off of that. Why at no point did we change anything with our second line? Why? I'm gonna put it on coaching, but I'm also gonna put it on the fucking players who completely disappeared. All three of them. What is the go forward for that? Like with or without Kevin Fiala. 
like we can get into that later. That's a whole different discussion. <laughs> but like, how does this line that was for stretches arguably our best line just completely disappear? I mean, clearly the St. Louis Blues realize that, all right, guys, we can only plan for and shut down one of these two lines. Which one are we going to do? And they they clearly chose the Fiala and, and you know, Freddie line. I, that's I that's my answer. More. That's my answer. Because they didn't have an answer for that top one. They but completely they, they still threw everything at them to slow them down. <laughs> yes, but that second one, I mean, again, I'm not on the on the ice. For me, just it looked like okay, they're executing as good as they are on the first line, but our first line for some reason was able to to be able to compete. That second one, they had no answer, dude. They had no answer. They got in Fiala's head. His wires were crossing every single game, it felt like. And I didn't even notice Freddie Goudreau, to be perfectly honest. But I didn't Ken notice Fiala, him in a good I, or bad way. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I just didn't notice him at all. Whereas Fiala, it, for the most part, was not in a good way. He had spurts. Usually in the first period, usually in the opening five to ten minutes, I was like, here we go. Fiala's buzzing. And then either he'd disappear or you'd take stupid fucking penalties or he'd bobble the puck or he'd hit the post or he'd miss. And it was just like, what is going on here? And I think it's more of a mental game with that kid, man. Honestly. Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting to figure out. But all right, well, well, I'll throw it back over to you. Obviously, there's a player that I talk about more than I probably should, but uh, you actually had him listed down as one of the big things that could have turned the tides in the series, which is you know a big statement. Yeah, well, you said it. I, I love Jared Spurgeon. And I mean, talk about players whose wires crossed as well. Holy fuck, he was getting into it this. Uh, <laughs> he was trying to take out the Achilles heel of a Blues player at one point in the Whoa, series. Let's, let's pause on that for a second, man. How much fault do you put on Spurgeon for the series? I mean, he there's definitely, a, he holds a lot of the blame for sure. I think there's some people that are overreacting, like everyone's saying he's overpaid and he needs to be traded immediately. Oh, like, no, no one, crazy. no one look at Facebook. That's just a scary place. <laughs> but dude, I think there's something to be said. Like as soon as he decided that he was going to go and audition for the remake of Troy as the arrow that goes through Achilles, Achilles, I guess. Is it Achilles, Achilles? How would you say Achilles, that? Achilles, Achilles. Yeah. yeah. I guess. Yeah. Anyways, like he was a different player after that. I think he's fine going into next season, but in this series, you could tell he was head fucked from that. I think like, he tried to do he, too much, dude. I think there were times he tried to do too much. I think there's times where he didn't do enough. And I think he was just like very much in his head over like his reputation being tarnished for what was an absolute donkey fucking play. I don't yep. think that that makes him inherently a dirty player, but you can't sit there in any capacity and defend what he did. That was no, the no. dumbest fucking thing that I've ever I hope that's the dumbest thing he ever does. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Um, back to Kalen Addison and back to Spurgeon. Overall, love the guy. You know, don't think he should be traded or whatever. Um, but like Hoppy highlighted earlier in this episode, he's not a power play quarterback. He's a lot of good things on defense, but that is not one of them. Just because he's a smaller player and he's good at moving the puck and skating doesn't mean you're a good power play quarterback. I'm sorry. Kalen Addison, if anything else in the National Hockey League, that is something that he could just do and still be paid for it and yeah. still be an asset for it. Even if he didn't hit the ice at all the other game other than like, you know, to give some players a rest and have a quick change, you know, in his own zone, whatever. I honestly think that that could have been a game changer. Maybe not two game changers, maybe not game seven winner changer, but at least a game changer in game six. I mean, 
because game six, they went like zero for four, zero for five in their fucking power play again. It was like, man, are you kidding me? I, I, I can't believe it because, again, no pressure on him other than you get limited minutes and we just need you to find lanes and or, and or find tape. That's all we need you to do because we know you're not going to bumblefuck the puck at the blue line. And we know that in Iowa, this is your sole fucking, you know, first thing on mind job. And that it's been just, come, you know, he's been having so many reps doing it down there. So I don't know, man, that, that really bugged me. And again, that's, that's not even just playing into, you know, hoppy stick here. It's not at all. The guy's an absolute beauty. He got fucking 34 points in, in Iowa. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think that that was a blunder for sure. I think it's, like, it's it's fair for you to call it a shtick, but at the end of the day, like I do think the world of Kalen Addison is a player. Oh, yeah, he's he's a um, great player. And I'm not sitting here trying to advocate for him being on the first pairing. Like honestly, like you said, man, just get him on the bench. Have him either be like the seventh defenseman, like we've seen several teams deploy, because let's be real, our fourth line is not what they were in the regular season. They were pretty non existent in the playoffs. Yeah. So losing one of those spots wouldn't be the end of the world. Or Put him on the third pairing. You have three guys you're cycling down there that you're not happy with. Like, let's be real. Like, you're not thrilled with Merrill. You're definitely not happy with Kulikov, which oh. I don't know why the fuck bringing him back in for game six was bum. the big, the By big the way, ace in the hole. <laughs> can I just say, I fucking a totoso. All you wild fans. I fucking a totoso. <laughs> all you fucking Rickyism. All you fucking wild fans. All you who are like, oh, you should, this is his shtick. He's just hating on Kulikov because he hated on him in the preseason. Which again, actually... kind of like Addison. It's it's a shtick, but it's also a reasonable. I told thing. you all he was a fucking bum. I told you. You all thought, oh, because he dyed his hair. He's one of them. No, shut the fuck up Kulikov sucks man and I hope he doesn't play for the wild again because that was awful man yeah so I mean Addison in for any of those three I didn't any mention Goligoski but any of those three if they had put Jordy Ben in over Kalen Addison I might have broken shit which make no mistake Ben was the next guy up probably oh so, 100%, 100%. Uh, but no I, I think Kalen Addison makes a huge difference um on the power play again it's not even a matter of skill because like every bit of skill that he has like Spurgeon has today. I think there's more upside with Addison, but the way he sees the ice, his comfortability with the puck on the blue line is higher than anyone on the wild today. And the guys barely even played in the league. It's insane. And just getting out of the zone again, this isn't comparing him to Spurgeon. Now this is just comparing him to anyone on the third line, the way he transitions and gets the puck up ice. It, the guy is tape to tape magic. It, it really is. So uh, the thing that I'm going to call into play, though, and again, this is coaching, right? But yeah. make changes sooner, whether it's sticking Jost up when he's hot and putting him with Fiala and Boldy or fuck, punish Fiala for being a dipshit yes. for a lot of the series and play him instead with Goudreau and Boldy. I don't care. Make a change like that. Reward a guy who is on fucking fire and don't reward the guy and make him prove himself to get back up because Fiala was not worth a shit in this series. And I, I really think that guys like Bugstead and Dewar would have brought a lot more than anyone on the second or fourth line. I really do. The way to deploy them and which line they should go on, hey, maybe you should have a fucking coach that knows how to do that. But waiting until <laughs> game six to even give Dewar a look makes no goddamn yeah. sense. Game waiting, five, man. And, Game and, five. and let's let's be honest here, man, on the coaching front, goalies couldn't have been managed worse. They couldn't have. Again, Talbot should have been in game five, too. He should or have been in game one. five. Guess what? He shouldn't have been in game six. That was literally 
putting him out to pasture and just hanging him out to dry. That was garbage. I don't blame him for being pissed. Like if he demands a trade, don't blame him one bit, right? He, this isn't to say that Flurry lost in the series by any stretch, but this no. is kind of going back to what I said to everyone even before the trade was made, because once those rumors came out, I kind of knew it was going to happen. It hurts me because I love Marc-Andre Fleury to death. Great goalie on his best days. Horrible goalie on his worst days. Everyone talks about the playoff pedigree. I'll maybe give him one and a half cups. Everyone goes nuts. Oh, the three-time Stanley Cup champion. Shut the fuck up. Like, he... <laughs> We're not giving him that. One and a series. Well, uh, he played half of the playoffs that year, and he is the reason that they got past the Capitals in that series. So, like, Don't I'll give him, me. I'll give him the half. I'll give him the half for okay. 17. 16, he didn't do dog shit. Yeah. So, I, I just think that, especially with our blue line, the way that they have kind of grown through the season, right, and played well in front of Talbot, Flurry is the guy that is going to make the save that no one else is. But the normal saves, you don't know where he's going to end up. You don't know where the puck's going to end up. And that makes it really tough for defensemen to know how to defend in front of him when they're now all of a sudden responsible for clearing pucks pretty regularly. When they don't know, like off a save, like where is Flurry going to be? Like, how do I need to defend? How do I need to cover this? That's tough. And it's come out after the fact. Obviously, they didn't on the spot because, oh, weird, they came back with Flurry, I think. <laughs> Or maybe they didn't. They wanted to be prepared to. Middleton's uh, blunder, right, that led to yeah. the uh, third goal scored by Tarasenko there in uh, game five. Like, it turns out it was a total miscommunication that Fleury was either going to go for it or handle it, and Middleton let up. I just, man, trading for Fleury wasn't a mistake. Starting him in game one was. And that, one million percent, Bill Guerin's decision. That is yeah. the one mistake that I'm going to absolutely hang on Bill Guerin. He forced Flurry into the lineup. He probably forced him to stay in the lineup too long. And then it reached a point where they said, well, we can't go out of this series without having said we played Cam Talbot. <laughs> Let's fucking throw him in and see what fucking happens. That, that, that is not how you treat your players. That's not. Yeah, I, I, I honestly truly felt like going into game six, it was it was a very high very high mountain to climb. Like just, it just didn't feel right. Something was off. And then hearing the Talbot was in there, it was like, oh man. And I've been going to bat for Talbot this, this whole time. But yeah. Like, and then this... everyone's like, oh, hey, everyone that wanted Talbot oh, in, God. how do you feel now? Like, well, I wanted him in several games ago, so it's not really yeah, and, a fair question. And, and, exactly. And I felt my argument at the time was, was pretty fair too, but now you're yeah. just being a dick. And yeah, there's a few people. Well, particular. there's plenty of people. I mean, hey, We'll never be Tony going up against Russo, so there's that. Dude, <laughs> that, 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 that blows my that, that blows fun. my mind too, by the way. It that just tells you that Russo doesn't forget. <laughs> no, Russo's I don't forget either. That guy's hasn't been very, you know, kind to anybody, it, it seems like on Twitter. I've never really anything. interacted with him, so I couldn't yeah. speak to it. I think we I think I had a meeting with him for like THPN stuff or way before even SodaPod's existence. But anyways, huh. that's uh that's a whole other can sounds, of worms. Sounds like you missed out. Oh, well, um, but yeah, I, I mean, end of the day, the roster could have been managed so different. Would we have won the series? Who knows? Right. But to at least lose in seven games and have it look respectable. 
I think you feel way different going into the summer than we could. Yes. They, th- that's the thing. It's like, they didn't show their full potential. They didn't push all their chips into the, into the middle of the table. And that's what bothers me. Whereas well, you see like, you see like the fucking LA, they, everybody on that team want, you know, showed up. Troy Stetcher and, and Alex Edler, again, two former Canucks fans or Canucks players. So I, was, I was happy to, I was happy to see them have success and hell even help win a game for the Kings, you know, players, there were so many unsung heroes and it was just like, okay, this is cool to see. Like, at least they went all out and, you know, went as far as they could and pushed, like I said, all the chips in the, in the middle of the table. Whereas the wild, and again, not on the players, 100%. There's some blame to be put on them for sure, but it's just like none of them. It's like everyone went 80%. How, you know, the players were deployed, management moves, coaching, and, you know, the players bring Well, and in. none of this to absolve the players. The players fucking shit the bed. I don't care what the coaching staff did. I don't care what decisions Billy Guerin made. The players laid an egg with the exception of Kaprizov. I will not, like, I hope that isn't lost in everything we're saying here. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure some people have turned off by now saying, it's no, defend the players. No, no, no. The players fucking sucked. They I'll give, bo- I'll give Boldy, by the way, I'll give Boldy, by the way, a little bit, you know, of leeway too, because, hey, younger kid, first Stanley Cup playoffs, and I didn't think that he was that bad at all. And I'm sorry, like, you can't put it all on the rookie. As I'm far putting as, like, it this, all this, on him. No, 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 but as far as, like, this level, but like, I'm giving him a little bit more rope. And Kaprizov, I mean, nothing but love. This, this, he yeah. did. If anything, Kaprizov should be slapping everyone after this game. Much like, hey, if the Calgary Flames blow it tonight at the time of this recording, Jacob Markstrom, he has the right to smack everybody with his goalie stick in that locker room if they don't, you know, buck up and win this game. Cause this oh, is a, that's sure. a, that's a full fucking other embarrassment that I'll get into when we yeah. record on Monday for a, a Tuesday episode. But, but I, I, I will say, Isha, I think the better comparison, because I, I get the LA one. I'm going with Toronto. I think that they did everything they could to win that series. I think that everyone's going to overreact and say they need to tear it all down. I I think this is a good team that just went up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, that's that's tough, man. Like, they were the better team, I thought, in Game 7. You had an incredible performance by Nick Paul. You have Vasilevsky being fucking Vasilevsky. Like, dude, Jack Campbell didn't lose them that game. Their I'll players say. didn't lose them that game. They had incredible chances. Dude, I thought 16 and 34 looked as good as I've seen them in a while, and they just couldn't beat Vasilevsky. That does not mean you have to blow up this team. I, well, I, don't, I, I don't care if they blow up their team or not. I do agree that, that I don't think this is a reason, but this is what I'll say about the Toronto Maple Police. You got to chew your food or you're just going to choke. That's all I'm going to say. I don't get it, but okay. They were close. They were close, but again, two, man, I, I get it. You're against the Tampa Bay Lightning. This was like a, this was an insane matchup. This was an insane hill to climb. And yes, but that's my comparison, man. It was an insane matchup against the Blues. We looked like fucking dog shit. Like we didn't care. Like we didn't yep. belong. And that's why people are gonna justifiably so have way more questions this summer. Where I really don't think that largely anything should change in Toronto. You're going to have to make some tweaks, but if they fire their coach, if they fire their GM, if they trade one of the big dogs, like, man, that just seems like, I hear Nylander. Well, I hear Nylander. He's gone, but dude, I, Oh yeah. Ooh, ooh, yes. Fiala's gone. I would yes. love that. I would yes, love yes, that. Yes. I would love. Ooh. All right. Let's keep the train ooh. rolling though. Cause we, we yep. have touched on a lot here. So let's, let's, 
Yeah, let's yeah, let's keep this going. Well, I mean, uh, so that that's it for the series, right? I mean, yeah. we can dissect it, and I'm sure over the summer, everyone's going to continue to talk about different things. There'll be things this we remember too, yeah. and there's things we'll come back to as decisions get made, right? Absolutely. But the the biggest thing we want to leave here with, we've got five big talking points here, and I'm sure there's plenty we're missing, but these are the ones that I viewed as the five biggest. Maybe Isha will say that I'm wrong, and there's something I've missed, but the five biggest questions for next season. So the first one I pose to you, Isha, who is in net for the season opener next year? Um, Darcy Kemper. <laughs> Don't see that being the case, but actually it, so- it sounds like you're kind of in agreement with my thought. It's neither of these goalies. It's not these, none of these guys. <laughs> they, they screwed up with cam, dicked him around and dude, you, you can pedal it back as much as you want. And God bless Kelly Talbot. Like we all love her, but oh, yeah. the post was pretty cut and dry, right? Oh, yeah. Like wherever that next adventure is. Oh yeah. And she dialed it Bye-bye. back and I'm pretty sure her husband went to her and said, Hey, can you please like not yeah. make it this obvious that this I'm was, this uh, pissed off too soon, too soon. Right. Yeah. I respect it though. Like good for her. The, the wild oh, yeah. deserve that to be thrown in their face. He deserves to move on. And guess what? Benching Flurry in the final game, probably not going to bode well for him wanting to come back either. And I don't imagine he wants to take a discount either. So either way, I think you're fucked and they're both out. Yep. I'm in total agreement. I think that the, the goaltenders are completely different. Again, remember what the plan was, folks, when Talbot was signed. It was Talbot's the 1A until Kakanen's ready to take over. Well, Kakanen yeah. is gone. That whole storyline, that whole plan is out the window in the shredder recycle bin whatever gone so maybe maybe next week isha what we do is uh a couple micro episodes with each of these being kind of uh a more dissected topic right yeah yeah let's look into options for trade options for ufas so one of the micro episodes will be who's in net for the season opener we're both in agreement though it ain't one of the guys that's on the roster next question isha kevin fiala and yes, that's that's the question. Kevin Fiala, question mark. <laughs> or, but it's really four options here, right? Like yeah. these are the four possibilities. You poll sign to a long-term too, uh, deal. I, I, huh? I imagine you're going to post a poll question about this again. Or Already eventually. did. Already yeah. did. <laughs> I thought I saw something. But... Yeah, I'll have to look and see if there's much uh, movement on it right just now. Po- just, to, yeah, to... just repost it if yeah. not. <laughs> uh, so long-term deal. One-year deal, because guess what? We do still have total control over him for one more year trade or offer sheet Isha, where do you fall on this um i mean again cap situation aside i think you'd want to resign him you i don't think you can now I, i've argued for it all season hoppy's kind of shown me the light there's there's only one right answer here there's only one right answer and that's offer sheet because you get you get the assets and you get them off the books <laughs> I mean, with a trade, you might not get as much as you're guaranteed to get in the offer sheet. If if no one's gonna, oh. if no Isha, one's, gonna... we we got responses already. It's it's been up for an hour, and we got 124 votes right now. Oh, that's um, awesome. 73.4% say trade, so they disagree. <laughs> and okay, well, I, I will I'm say, say though, go they're ahead. all wrong, but that's that's <laughs> that's the backup. That's the backup. <laughs> hey, SodaPod listeners. Just want to give a quick word from our friends at DraftKings. 
They want to remind you that you can feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state or province, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play for free for thousands of dollars with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now or Daily Fantasy and use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Go well, ahead, so dude. what I'll say on that, though, is I was very much on the offer sheet train, but the team that I thought was the most likely, which uh, feels a little good to have that one before Russo even talked about it, New Jersey Devils. Awesome fit. I don't think that they offer sheet him now because of the cost for assets, because they have the second overall pick this year. They'd have to give up that and next year's first and a second and a third. But I do think if it's trade, I think they are the trade partner. And guess what? I'm not going, I I feel bad. I can't give credit to this person, but I love the idea of packaging him and Cam Talbot. Dude, that is a, that is so much sense. That is a great package. I will say this, the New Jersey Devils, they don't, from what I've been hearing, reading, again, this all could be just totally wrong, but apparently they're totally okay with trading that second overall pick. No, well, I'm not saying that they're not. No, I know, but that's, I'm that's saying what's they'll ex- trade it. No, no, exactly. That's I don't exciting. think the offer sheet's an option for them anymore. Sure. No, but... Okay. Now, with with that team in particular, no, but who gives a fuck because they might even just trade the second overall pick. Isha, I will wet myself if the Wild can trade for that pick and get Cooley, who is going to be an absolute fucking stud next year for the Gophers. Dude, this this could be best case Ontario for the Wild if New Jersey wants to dance with them. I think it makes sense for both sides. I really do, and we'll, we'll dissect that further. I think that's something we'll dive into more next week. It, again, is you know, what the options are, like who could you trade with? Who could realistically offer sheet? Or I guess the one question I kind of want to get your initial interest on, if Fiala wants to stay, if Garen wants him to stay, how much are you comfortable giving him? I'm, I'm less worried about term than I am AAV here. Um, It can't be more than $8 million. Well, yeah, that so I, eight, that's already too much to be completely yeah, honest. So eight eight million. I think if he's, he accepts seven, maybe seven and a half. I think that's a stretch. I think if he's willing to accept seven and we give him some kind of term with it, that can work because I think that maybe, well, that's fine. Maybe the playoffs are a wake up call for him. He's like, shit, maybe I won't get as much money elsewhere. But as soon as the first person comes by and says, hey, how would you like eight and a half or nine mil? He's that's like, the thing. No, he's Peace. he's gonna get paid that elsewhere. So I mean it. You you convinced me, Hoppy, that he couldn't demand that much. Yeah. Play, playoffs does. aside, playoff dominant in the playoffs or or not. So I, I'm convinced now that like it's eight million dollars, or he's gonna find that elsewhere. And I don't think the Wild can can keep that. I mean, they can't. If they can get him for seven men, we are laughing because the fucking Canucks, which we'll, we'll get into on sure. a, a different episode, 
they have to pay Besser a minimum of seven five just to qualify him, and I don't even I don't think he's worth that much at all. And apparently they're pushing for that. Well, so. we'll debate that a little bit, but um, all right. So Kevin Fiala will be our second micro episode in the next week or two. Yeah, th- this can be fun. This one uh, I'll, I'll explain a little bit more, but I'm going to call it real versus regression. Um, okay. We have a lot of career years across the team this year, which is awesome, right? But with every single player, you got to stop and think. Okay, is this like real progression for them where they've like really built and like we can see that they're a new player now? Or is this a blip on the radar and we're going to see regression next year where they go back to kind of who they are? So there's there's several players to ask this about. I think the two that are most notable, Isha, we got Hartman and Goudreau. Do you think, let's go this way. Which one do you think is more likely to repeat their success of this year? Because you got to factor in, Hartman had a way better year than Goudreau, but they both looked good. So who's more likely to kind of end up where they did? Um, I'm gonna give it like a like a I don't know like like a ten point difference too, and, and I'll explain sure. why. So I, I think the the player who I think is gonna repeat and maybe not get 65 points, but could get in the 40 to 50 range and still be at the same value is Ryan Hartman. I don't think Freddie Goudreau is the real deal. Now, do I think he's a valuable player? Sure, but he's a third-liner, two-way player. Where Hartman, we saw, has the skill and, quite frankly, can be consistent because he's always there whether he's scoring or not. He's in those the right spots, and he brings just that X factor, kind of like what a JT Miller, he's like a poor man JT Miller, kind of like what he brings. Um, so, I know again, give it with maybe like 10 points less. I'll give him that as far as like, that's not a regression that I'll say that that's like the same. Um, I, I think Ryan Hartman is going to continue to still be a value, a very valuable piece to the wild. If we're putting, up, putting him up against a Frederick Goudreau. Okay. Fair. Now we need to talk about the big dogs, right? Kaprizov incredible season, over a hundred points. Zuccarello in his mid thirties puts up career high points, almost ends up in the, the stratosphere of, uh, uh, beating anyone prior to this year in assists. Yep. Which injury, right bummer, now this year, yeah. bummer. But so you've got those two. And then the one that I really want to get into as well, Jordan Greenway. So let's talk about all three. You pick which one you want to go for first. How do you feel about this year and looking forward to what kind of production we're going to get next year? Uh, I'll start with Greenway because that one's easy for me. It'll be quick. I think it's a, I think it's exactly the same because to be honest, Hoppy, the way this guy played, I thought he put up more points than he actually did. He didn't even put up 30 points. So if Jordan Greenway stays between like a 20 to 30 point guy, but it's still again, well, hang on dude. that's 30 points, not playing the whole season, 62, 62 games still. Um, okay. That's, that's still the equivalent of being mid forties probably for the season in points. Okay, fine. Fair enough. And if that's the case, because I was wrong there. You're right. I didn't see the. I didn't look at the games played. Then I think he'll 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 regress. But still, I don't think it's going to matter much. Maybe he'll regress in scoring. But I think again, the value of him is still going to be fine. I don't think he's going to be coughing up pucks like he did in his first couple seasons, where we're like, why aren't you using your size? Why are you coughing up pucks, making stupid plays or stupid turnovers? I think he's he's set, and this is the Jordan Greenway that we see scoring. 100 is going to regress a little bit. Sure. And I think the biggest question for me with him, right? Like this is the first year that we've seen this Jordan Greenway. There's been 
several years to prove that like there's certainly a floor that exists. I think, yeah, I think he's arrived. At, so, yeah, at, that, that's – okay, so there's your answer. He yeah. has arrived, and yeah. I'm I'm curious to see because if he has, like, again, that three-by-three, three, incredible value. Yeah. But I also think, again, the line together means the world. Are we going to see more split next year of that line to try and get things going with other oh, lines? Yeah. And even if you didn't, is there another player? Like, I, I feel like there's several guys that you could put in Greenway's spot and you'd see similar production, thus making Greenway potentially a really good trade chip because of the value he's established compared to his contract, right? I, I could think of, you know, half the league would want his services at that right. That's that's yep. that's the thing. So this is maybe the chance to capitalize and really get yeah, the value back point. on that. And it's not not wanting Greenway. I think in a vacuum, that's an incredible contract for an incredible middle six player. I just <laughs> think that you can put a lot of guys with, if, if that's going to be the line moving forward, right? You can put a lot of guys with Ek and Felino and get similar results. Not the same, but similar. Yep. But uh, the one that's the most interesting, because I think we're all comfortable, like Kro Kaprizov is Kro Kaprizov. He is going to be a name oh. in this league for a while. I don't know player. when. He's, he's a 100-point yeah. player, baby. But the real question then becomes Zuccarello. Like, was this just like an epiphany for him? Like, is this totally riding the coattails of Kaprizov? Or does this guy still have some some fire in the in the belly and I guess just opportunity to maybe not put up the same points, right? Is he going to continue to be, I would say like 60, 70 point player. Is that a lock whether or not he plays with Kaprizov? I, I think he is. Cause I think he kind of always was, he he's always been that guy. Well, when does the age bug catch up with him? I mean, he's only 34, man. Like, you know, and you know what? Put this Dude, way, I know aging curves that can hit you when you're 31 or when you're 37. When you look at like some of the studs, yes, like, I just don't know where he fits. No, and that's the thing that that answers my that 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 helps my next point. We don't know, and okay. people who keep telling me that they that they do know, like shut the fuck up. <laughs> we are living science fiction right now. The nutrition that these guys are on, oh, you know, so different. Yeah. No, I know that's the thing, and and you know, I. It's, there's no secret. I watch a lot of mixed martial arts. Hockey is 100% a grueling sport. There's more fighters now who fight, literally get in a cage and fight up to five, five-minute rounds. The guys into their 40s. Hell, the, heavy, the light heavyweight champion right now is 43 fucking years old. I don't want to hear about these aging curves anymore. If the guy's still playing like he is right now and his knees are still intact, I'm not going to look at the age. I'm really not. I'm going to look at what have you done for me lately and who you're playing with on the ice. And this is what I, this is what I think about those two players. Cause I think it's unique, but they both in their own right, you know, bring something special if they weren't on each other's lines, but Kirill Kaprizov, he's a point per game player. Even if he's has two fourth liners with him. Zuccarello, he's a 40 to 60 point Slight player stretch, but I understand what you're trying to illustrate. Zuccarello is a 40 to 50 point player who just did, despite you know the guys that he has on his line. Together, these guys have that X factor of chemistry that it's not just unique to them. I'm sure Kirill Kaprizov in his career is going to find other Zuccarello types that he's going to dominate with. And, you know, Zuccarello, lucky for him, he's found that first one in the National Hockey League in Zuccarello. And that's so special. Are, are, are they locked? Are they connected for the duration of Zuccarello's contract? Oh, it's you, you could put Sedin on their jersey. At this point, like they're, they're never leaving, you know, that would actually be really funny. Um, all right. The last one that we're going to talk about for real versus regression. And this one's a tough one, man, because slowly becoming like my one B as far as favorite Minnesota wild <laughs> players, 
We have a, I believe, 26-year-old. Yep, 26-year-old with only 80 NHL regular season games played. So hasn't even technically played a full NHL season. Jacob Middleton is what we saw this year from him inserted into the wild lineup for real or like what what can we even expect moving forward how do you even begin coming up with his contract if you extend him i think that yes what we saw was real um i think that if his agent is going to push back for more dollars you go you're a great player we don't we, we can find that elsewhere thank you very much mm-hmm. like i i ain't going to be uh mesmerized by your mustache like all right so off mustache. the cuff off the cuff what's your max AAV you'll give him. Oh, 2.8. I was going to say three. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. We're, we're in lockstep on that. We'll see what happens there. But oh man, if you gave me an Addison Middleton, like oh, second pairing, I inject it right into my veins. <laughs> dude, I, I would do horrible, unspeakable things to see a season of that. Oh, plus, I mean, look, think, give me a better mustache combo. You dude, can't. And, just can't. and, imagine... and oh, all, all I go to is uh, kicking and screaming. Forming one mega person. That's those two right there. Dude, yes. That would be amazing. Ugh. I mean, you talk about the bromance of Zuccarello and Caprizov. I just, I can feel it already with Addison and Middleton. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Next micro point. Number four. We're just going to put it out as a blanket statement, Isha. Center depth. What the hell do you do this summer to address center depth? God, dude. Honestly, Hoppy, I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. Do you like, have I got, a thought, though? I, I have a few thoughts, and I'm excited huh? to do some more collaborations with more wild podcasts and creators. Oh, yeah. and I want to hear other people's summer. opinions because yeah, I'm this far is the, from the expert on how to fix this. This is the topic, right? This is yep. the topic because it's not easy to go out and get good centers. Like, again, God fucking bless Hartman and Goudreau this season because no one predicted this. Hell, even Billy Guerin and Dino did not predict that they would just get two solid centers out of nowhere this year. One of them is going to regress, like we just said, for sure. Maybe both of them do. You need that lock first or second line center in this lineup. Yep. how you get that it's 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 almost impossible to think of a scenario right now because we don't know if Fiala is back we don't know what's going on with Dumba we don't know you know, some, we know some... Fiala is not back <laughs> okay but I'm just you know, for the sake of argument we don't know again what's going on with Middleton it's like we need to know how much money the wild have to work with and right. what assets they have to realistically get rid of to bring in a center or centers and we just don't have those answers yet. So that's those are my thoughts, Hoppy. We have like five different fucking doors we could open or five different fucking yeah. paths we could go down with. I, but I got realistically, but realistically for me, before I hand it over to you, it's like I personally need to know what assets they have to play around with if they're going to entertain a trade, how much money realistically they have you know, with the cap, and what bodies they're realistically going to have that are staying next year. With those answers, then it's like, okay, let let's let's look at who's available. Let's look at free agency. Let you know. Let's start to you know make some assumptions. But anyways, what what are your thoughts? Well, so I guess first one is less a thought than uh, a conversation. Which we'll, we'll start there. Is Marco Rossi ready? Should he be a mainstay next year, or is there still more that we need to see there? I think there's still more to see. Now he's close. He's close, but fuck, let's not rush this guy. Please. The oh, only dude. the only really important, you know, piece that the wild down 
in their system have to like groom like the fucker almost like had to hang up the skates because of covid complications yeah. let's not rush his development now 53 points 63 games 18 goals that the guy was unreal he's not even 20 years old yet he was absolutely amazing in iowa let's make sure that they work out the kinks before you bring him up call him to the big leagues that those are my thoughts and maybe it's it's 30 more games in Iowa and, and a quarter of the season or something, or, you know, a third of the season, whatever. I don't know what it is, but I, I, from listening to what Z's been saying, and he's the expert here on the soda pod, he thinks that he needs a little bit more time from what I've seen a little too inconsistent to bring him up in the national hockey league. Yeah. And the only person that might know more than Z, which might not even, to be honest, is Tim army and uh, no free ads, but, Absolutely go check out straight from the source. Michael Russo interviews Tim Army, who was up here for well, what ended up being a very short playoff stint for the wild. Yeah. But uh he said straight up, like Marco is an NHL mind. He sees the game the right way. He has all the skill. He is a toddler's body, right? Like he needs to grow into himself. He needs to get stronger to really be able to thrive in the NHL. Now, does that mean that he can't go up? Not necessarily. I think regardless, he sees looks next year. Oh, yeah. But to to bring him up and have him be a mainstay in the top six, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what work he puts in in the offseason. But if you bring him up and play him on the fourth line, so help me God, I can't really do anything, but I will freak the fuck out. Dude, preseason is is honestly, and I know a lot of people say, oh, who gives a fuck about preseason? And it really is. like it, it uh, is Bubble a, players, that's who give a fuck. <laughs> no, I know, but I, I mean fans. It's a shadow of what even the pace of the game is. Preseason could really be a good way to see, okay, you're just playing with big bodies and yeah. big bodies who are less worried about, you know, the skill side and who are just fighting for depth roster positions right and those are going to be the guys that rossi actually probably needs to be tested against as far as the strength in the national hockey because look at petterson the guy was skinnier than rossi his leg like my arms were bigger than petterson's legs and right and rossi's legs are bigger than like my whole fucking torso so like you know petterson was able to play as a twig in the national hockey league his first season so i'm not writing off rossi with the size yeah. it, we just have to see if he can bring it because look man even though he's an established star in the National Hockey League, you look at what Johnny Goudreau does in the regular season versus when the bullying happens in the playoffs. The, even him, even he at the highest level has issues with that shit. Something our boy, your boy, I guess formerly my boy is with Montreal now so he can fuck right off, but Martin St. Louis. Didn't matter. He was able to do it because he was just could play against tough players, play against the bullies. That's just an X factor. That's that you, a good comparison though, man, because yeah. they both have similar quads. Exactly. So I'm I'm excited to I'm excited to see off the bat, long or the short of it, I think he needs a little bit more reps, but I don't think we're waiting, yeah. you know, a whole other 12 months for him to at least be in the lineup. Oh, for sure. And this one, uh, center depth as a whole, this might not even be a micro episode. This is probably going to be a deep dive episode because we got to talk about what's in our pipeline, who might stay or go from the current lineup. But then we got to talk about potential free agents or trade candidates, which this hurts me, Isha. It absolutely hurts me, but I think it's a discussion that needs to be had. I, I have my first trade consideration, which to your point, Hard to say for sure if we don't know what's happening with the rest of the roster. Me personally, I'm assuming Fiala's gone. I'm yes. hoping that we're getting reasonable assets. Again, I think New Jersey is the perfect move for so many reasons for both sides, right? That's not just like, 
we, we've talked about a lot of trades in the past, right? Where people are like, yeah, why does that make any sense for the other team? Even if it's, if it's fair, <laughs> it makes sense for both teams. But for me, I think you package your existing first round pick, hoping you get a better one from the Fiala deal. Um, and then some semblance of like solid prospect. I don't know. Maybe we say it's like a Beckman or say that it's a, another middling pick or something. And Kalen Addison going home to Manitoba for oh. Shifley. I heard Shifley might like he wants entertaining. Out. Yeah, that they're entertaining trading him. He wants out. His contract is very, very reasonable yep. for what he brings. He's still got two more years, and he's right in that perfect window of ability that oh, gets you through good... the buyouts, hopefully. I think there's a lot of people that are going to hate it because they think that he's like a scumbag, which, like, hey, he, he plays on the edge, but I don't think he's that. But he, no, they Guess can't what? say shit. They can't say shit anymore because Spurgeon tried to take out someone's Achilles. So shut the fuck up. Uh, you got a scumbag gonna, on your team as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm I'm going to butcher the stat probably, but in the last decade, there are only two players who have scored seven or more goals in a series. Their names, Kirill Kaprizov and Mark Scheifele. <laughs> that tandem with or without Zuccarello, which I'm still convinced you keep Zuccarello there. That's the perfect like oh, yeah. threesome. Dude, tell me that that isn't one of the top five lines in the league next year. Dude, that Explain line. Explain how. Explain torch, how that's even possible. Torch everybody because you have everything on that line. And let's be real, man. I, I do not want this. I would fight to the end of the earth to keep Kalen Addison in a wild sweater. You look at the moves that Garen made this year extending no bullshit Dolgowski, yeah. which we're going to get into this more in the last points. So maybe I'll, I'll pause on that. We we can kind of hammer it home more, but let's just say that the blue line reads that he's probably not going to get a real chance next year. And if anyone has paid attention to Z, there's a lot of really good prospects coming up and playing with Iowa wild next year that are defense. By the time a defenseman is going to come up for meaningful minutes, it's probably going to be some of those guys rather than a Kalen Addison. Send them home, guys from Brandon, Manitoba. Go back. It's what they need. They need defense. And, man, if Shifley's out, and maybe what I offered isn't reasonable. I think Addison, Beckman, and our current first, I think that's a pretty reasonable move to get it done. Especially if he wants out. Jets Jets might fight me on that. If, if that's the case, hey, I'd love to hear what a reasonable return would be for Shifley. I think that's at least in the realm of possibility Man, it's we a should starting bring, uh, a conversation we should bring ruwiki on and talk about it because you know it. he's plugged in all right we'll do that that'll we'll be an, that. An, an upcoming move so uh but center depth again gonna be not even a micro episode that's gonna be a whole episode talking about trade ufa prospects and current roster last one i have here isha what's gonna give on the blue line uh we already kind of hinted there right there's a lot yeah that's been done so first question under that, Spurgeon Brodeen, are they locked in or is there any chance that either of them are moved? They're locked in. I mean, look, look I think at, so too. Yeah. Look at both of how Billy Guerin extended both of them. Like he, those are his guys. Those are pillars. I think so too. I think the other thing that's got to be considered though, is Bill Guerin gives zero fucks about anyone's feelings. He is not going to accept the way this season just ended. Changes have to be made. And you don't make your roster better by trading bad players. And you don't get through salary cap hell by keeping players that are paid a lot. 
I think you are right. I think they're both locked in, but it's definitely not impossible that either get moved. Brody and... more more locked in than Spurgeon, to be perfectly honest. I, Brody, agree. I, I, I agree. think that bro honestly, Brodeen is the better defenseman. Oh, 100 percent the better yeah. defenseman. Yeah. But there, there's a lot that goes into that. So I just worth starting a conversation because we're gonna definitely break into that more this summer when we talk about possibilities for getting through Capow the next couple of years and improving the roster at the same time, which is like really tough combo. Um, how badly is Garen regretting the extensions of Merrill and Goligoski? I think, I mean, from what I've seen anyways, probably Merrill more than Goligoski. Goligoski's probably, again, just safer. Because, yeah, he, Goligoski had pretty, pretty low floor this season. He had some really bad times. But for the most part, I think his his consistent play made up for just that that one really bad spurt this season. Whereas Merrill, to me, like... I'm sure he's a great guy. He's kind of a fan favorite. I mean, he makes me smile. He does not impress me with his play. He never does. And I'm sorry, some of his games, the fancy stats may be good. I mean, Brett highlights them in his player cards all the time, but I, I don't see anything there. So I would, if I was Billy Garen, I would regret that that extension for sure. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a solid 6-7 guy for me. And I don't think that the Goligoski dollars are crazy. It's just, I don't know... Like now that he's started to go downhill, like at what point is there a cliff that he falls off of? Like yeah. it worries me a little bit, but again, for the dollars, it's not the end of the world. It's just with how much you have. Okay. Let's just break it down. Let's say you do re-sign Middleton, which I think would very much be in their interest. You've got Spurgeon, Brodeen, Dumba. There's your top four, essentially. Then you've got a bottom three that, or a bottom pair that was basically a rotation of Kulikov, uh, Merrill, Goligoski, Ben. Ben, yeah. So how much, uh, how expensive do you think Jordy Ben will be to keep? Um, Are they wanting to keep I him? hope not. I, that was a joke. Okay, I was like, what the yeah, I just figured if anyone would want it, it'd be you because, you know, he's from the, the I, island. He's, he's the only one I pretty much turned on. <laughs> <the other island. laughs> okay, so we already talked about Middleton, which we won't get into then as far as how expensive it would be to keep him. Do you think that Kulikov is a tradable asset at this point? No. Okay. Unfortunately. So how do you get rid of him? <laughs> stuck. You're, they're stuck with him, dude. Well, you said that you hope that he's not on the team. I mean, I, I, I really you had a, a vision for how that could happen. Future considerations to Detroit. <laughs> Seriously. Not, not Detroit. <laughs> that, that's well, an Arizona fuck. move. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever has room for a yeah. shitty defenseman. Fair enough. For, for some veteran leadership on the team. There you go. Future consideration for veteran leadership. Right. Now, the, the question that everyone will ask until the end of time, or at least until the end of this contract, is Matt Dumba on the opening night roster? Nope. You got to get, yes. rid, you gotta get yes. rid of More money has to be uh, off the books if they want to seriously go after center. So Matt Dumba's he's Not if they get gone. Shifley. <laughs> I think he's gone. I think he's here. I do. All right. All right. Do you want to do a beer uh, for bet whatever for that? reason? Beer bet? Sure. Let's do it. I'm I'm good with that one. All right. It's not Lock saying it that I want it. It's saying that I think it's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you just look at how much like Garen clearly has labeled Dumba as one of his guys. We literally talk every summer about will Dumba go or stay. I think the real question is going to become: Is he willing to sign for cheaper? moving forward to stay like dude loves it here. Dude is absolutely in love with Kuroka Prizov. He's a leader. Is he willing to take less? And it's not a fair question to ask people, right? But that's the question that Bill Guerin's asking him because 
we'll find a way to get through this one last year of your contract and keep you here if you are going to sign this extension for cheaper. Right? And that's a tough conversation to have. I think he wants a raise. No one's giving him a raise. I think I think he can get similar to what he's getting now elsewhere. I don't think he can get a raise. Oh, I think he's getting more than six, even if it's a little bit. I don't. Just, hey, dude, have you, have you not seen how defensemen are getting paid? Are you shitting me? <laughs> he's sure, 100% Darnell getting Maris, more. 925. Okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> well, he's, he's not, getting... he sure as hell ain't getting that here, so. No, no, no. he's getting I... seven, five, somewhere else. But that's the real question, right? Like, who wants or needs him bad enough? And I, that's Columbus why I will think... give him that. But, but here, <laughs> so the reason that I think that he's on the starting lineup for home opener, season opener, whatever. Now I'm just bumble fucking. He is more valuable at the trade deadline than he is this summer. I don't think there's serious takers right now. I don't think anyone's clamoring to get him. They know that we need to offload him. So you're not going to get assets back. He's the kind of player though, that a team that's ready to make a big playoff run and has, you know, think, think about Florida this year, right? Ekblad goes down. If he wasn't able to come back, that's a big fucking blow. He is a guy that a team will take at the deadline to bolster their blue line depth. If that's like one of the last things that they need. Right? I disagree. No one who's making that push can afford a player with that contract at the deadline. But at that point we're holding half the salary. So who gives a shit? You say that, but it's why not, wouldn't we? It's that's the only that way you can get value for it. I'm just saying that's sure that's best case scenario, but it's just, that's just too simple for me. I can't believe you said best case scenario. Wow. Best you're case, growing. Best case Ontario. Too I, many I just, for this episode. You're not getting anything this summer. So I see the move being keep him because Garen will not give him away for nothing. I don't see that happening. And I think Garen wants him here if he's willing to play ball, but to your point, maybe he wants big boy bucks and doesn't care about staying at which point, Bye. Bye bye. We've 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 seen that played run. out before. <laughs> have, yeah, had a good run. Um, we'll get this more from Z next time he jumps on with us, or maybe that'll be an episode that he does specific for Judd's buds. But like, oh, dude, what is way, Iowa going to look like next year? By the way, this this episode, this week's episode for Judd's buds. I mean, it, if if you haven't listened to the show yet, do it. Especially this with the wild out and Boston. I mean. Dude's going to be in one. He is going to be an absolute wreck. I know he's going to leave it till like 1 a.m. fucking Eastern time. So he's going to be, it's going to be a late one and it's going to be fun as when Z is emotional and on limited sleep, he tells me those are the worst episodes. And whenever he says, Ish, this was the worst fucking episode ever recorded. I'm like, oh man, (laughs) this is the best fucking episode you've done yet. And usually that's, that's the case. So there you go. And don't forget to get your Twitter questions in as he does a mailbag every week. So there you go. There we go. So we will hear what he thinks about some of the players that have already committed to playing with Iowa next year. Last one. And again, this is personal plucks at the heartstrings. I know I am on record now, unfortunately thinking that Kalen Addison is probably going to be used as a trade chip because Garen doesn't see an opportunity for him now. And by the time there is an opportunity, we have other younger players that will be ready he is a very tradable piece. I think he's gone. I really hope he's not. But let's say there's no trade, Isha. Can he find his way into playing consistent minutes in the NHL next year? Dude, if they do not put him on the power play in the preseason, I I will 
I shouldn't say riot because that's in both markets. It's a heated topic, but I will like go on a fucking hunger strike or something because that's the only way you're going to see if he's ready, you know? And if, if they don't even give him a chance, <laughs> then I'm, I'm fucking done. dude. <laughs> I can see the headlines. Now, Minnesota wild to start Kalen Addison on power play one to stop hunger strike out in British Columbia. From host of the soda pod, a local from, from scrawny little man. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's not scrawny anymore. He had a big summer of biking. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it's so shitty out here right now. Apparently, it's already t-shirt weather in Minnesota. It's I don't know. Again, I'm going Celsius because I'm not in the States right now, but it's like 30 some degrees in Montreal and out east in Ontario. It's fucking almost zero still here, freezing, and it's going to rain for four more fucking weeks straight. No sun. This is on record the coldest Vancouver Island has ever been. We have record rainfall. That's the first time you've ever done that one. That hurt. It is insane. You said Bean instead of Ben. Oh, Ben. That was so fucking Canadian. Anyways. The the oh, you know when you've got a Canadian on the broadcast too, as soon as you hear against. Against? Oh my <laughs> no, god, that again? one drives me fucking Wait, nuts. Uh, how do you guys say against? Against. Yeah, again. Against. 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 <laughs> a boot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, it's funny because I feel like I'm just I'm sounding more and more Canadian, but I'm not like hanging out with anybody. It's just like kind of slowly, you know. <laughs> like, I'm oh, just yeah. I'm just listening to too many hockey podcasts and things like that. Yeah, anyway. I, I get my fill from Friedman for sure. Uh, but uh, everyone, like, this is event session. Obviously, Ooh. things did not end the way that we wanted. Brutal, brutal showing in the last two games of the series. A lot of things that need to be considered. Both trying to stay and become even more competitive at the same time as having less and less cap flexibility. Um, But rest assured, we're pretty much going to be spending the entire summer talking about hypotheticals and different scenarios into how we can actually navigate that. And everyone knows Bill Guerin's already on the case. He's probably already got several thoughts on how that's going to go. This series definitely impacted how those thoughts are, but I'm, it's just like last summer, man. Like, these are probably the two most polarizing summers for the future of the Minnesota wild. I'm excited to see how it plays out. I'm excited to talk nonsense with you and anyone that we get to jump on with us to discuss, but just rest assured everyone. It's not all going to be doom and gloom. We just had to vent here and uh, now it's talking about the solution. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just, it was a hell of a year. It was so much fun to cover this team. And like Hoppy said, like we're, we're still going to ramp things up. We still have a lot to talk about. You can't shut us up about hockey. Like, shoot. (laughs) The reason we do this is because like half, I mean, more than half of our hockey talk and stuff we do, we we had, we don't even press record. This is just a small tidbit into how much hockey and how much sport talk we can get into. So we're surely going to keep, keep covering the NHL as the playoffs roll on as well, as the world championship, as the world juniors, as hockey's just, it's, it's continuing to roll on all summer. So yeah, it's doom and gloom right now. It's doom and gloom on the island right now, but uh, things, uh, things are going to pick up. And hey, the Stanley Cup playoffs, they are still so fucking entertaining and, and unbelievable. Again, at the time of this recording, I'm just so giddy and nervous to see what the hell is going to happen with Calgary Flames and Dallas. So stick around this week as we have a lot of uh, more content 
Uh, we have another episode that's going to drop uh, with Hoppy and I talking more about the National Hockey League. We'll have our predictions for second round coming up this week as well. So thanks for listening to this one. And uh, be sure to download those ones as well. I'm Isha Dromi, alongside the state of Hoppy. This has been the Soda Pod, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. We good, man? We good. Don't fear, just drink some beer, and stay wild.